that. So thank you today for joining me on another episode of Proudly Differently Able. This evening, I'm going to bring in a good friend of mine. Her name is Molly Wiesman. Uh, welcome to the program, Molly. Can you hear me, Molly? Are you there? Yeah, I'm good. Welcome to the program. How are you today? Good, how are you? Good. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you're differently abled and kind of how it affects you? So, I have cerebral palsy that was the result of being the prior oxygen at first. Um, It affected my speech, obviously, um, though I'm ambulatory. Um, and I also have some learning disabilities as a result. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are some of those and kind of how did those affect you? So my learning disabilities, um, they weren't like ones that have names. It's not like, oh, I have dyslexia, but... Mm-hmm. They so my learning disabilities made math very mm-hmm. very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made organization very hard. Being organized okay. was kind of never my strong suit, still isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, my my memory was affected by the CP, and so that played into learning too. Um, so when you were like a, a smaller child, how would you say the CP affected you during that stage of your life? So, you know, I, I kind of feel like in some ways I blocked out elementary school. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of actual concrete memories of it. I know that when I was a lot younger, and I would meet other kids, they'd be like, why are you Talk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even sometimes now, as an adult, if I meet younger kids, they still ask us. But hmm. I don't really, I don't have a lot of conscious memories of like being bullied. I'm sure it happened there. I'm sure people make comments. I just don't get kind of popped out. Well, that's great, I and mean, that's that's great. You can actually do that. I mean, I, I believe me. I wish I could have uh, done that when I was younger and had those issues myself. But I uh, wasn't quite that lucky. I remember being bullied, unfortunately, quite uh, quite vividly as a kid. I mean, in junior high, I went through, you know, kids just being mean and kids. You know, it, it was never directly about a disability, but it was more just being excluded. Oh, we don't want to hang out with you. People mm-hmm. were not welcoming with me. So I didn't really have many friends. It was that kind of deal. Yeah, was it kind of, I know for, for me, but I don't know necessarily for you, it was more when, when those things happened, like you said, it, was, it wasn't to necessarily be mean. It was more born to me out of ignorance. Is that kind of how you feel about uh, how that was, you were perceived sometimes? I think, no, I think it was a more, I mean, yes and no, I think it was mm-hmm. more of like, 
Oh, we're well, cool kids. We're all friends. We're popular. We don't want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. For me, it was hard because I went to private school for junior high. Mm-hmm. And I was in the same class all day. So it wasn't like I switched around and went from class to class. And so the class was not that big. There were maybe no more than 15 students. And so it was the same 15 students. It wasn't like you got to go to a different class where there were different students who you liked. So it was just being with the same people all the time. And if they didn't like you, there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. Yeah, that definitely would be tough. I mean, I that I could see how that would definitely be a problem, like you said, kind of because you said you you don't you don't get to interact with other kids, just those kids. So I could definitely see how that would be be tougher. So when when would you say that it got sort of easier for you to kind of make friends, and when you sort of and I, I don't know, maybe maybe you always owned it, you know, owned your being different differently able than kind of just ran with it. Oh, it wasn't until after college. It wasn't after college. And it was, high school was, no one was overtly mean to me in high school. No one Mm -hmm. bullied me. No one said anything mean to my face. People Mm -hmm. were actually very nice. However, going from class to class, you talk to people and people were nice. But no one was ever asking me out. No one was ever calling me to go to a party on a weekend. So mm-hmm. it, it was it was a, a fine high school experience, but I went through it knowing it probably was not a typical high school experience. So that's what that was like. Okay, and you said you you were more comfortable in your own kind of own skin, as it were. Kind of you said, uh, what, what was college like for you more so? Um. So, college was a lot better. Um, the first year was so hard. It was hard to be away from home. I went to college three hours away from home. Mm-hmm. And it was still kind of hard socially that first mm-hmm. year to find out who your friends were mm-hmm. and who they weren't. But it was after the freshman year, things got a lot better. Okay. And the rest of college socially was pretty good, really. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and then, go ahead. Go ahead. So what, what actually did you study while you were in school? I studied public relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then and you were saying, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, oh no, you didn't cut me off. I was waiting for the next question. So you said you felt more comfortable kind of uh, after college, sort of in your own skin. So when would you say about that happened and where did you kind of have that like aha moment, as it were? Well, I was pretty lost for a few years after college. Mm -hmm. I certainly felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I was lucky enough to have a job. I was working for and still do it for the family business that my family has. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was like, it's just really obvious. Mm-hmm. And I was very depressed. Question that, and, and, and finally got on antidepressants when I was 25, which was 
wife Kendall. Mm. It's really good. And I got my survey on all So after that, that I was able to pursue things I wanted to do because I wasn't so much in my own hands as all these negative thoughts, but were kind of like roadblocks for me for preventing me from going on to doing anything else I wanted to do because I was just sitting there all the time. So feeling like I should do something else, feeling like I should be doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but back a lot better. And I um I was always doing a little bit of advocacy. Mm-hmm. And so um I wanted to go back to my college and speak about inclusion, inclusion. And there was a misunderstanding and so that didn't end up happening. And I had this whole speech done. That mm-hmm. I wanted to live somewhere, and so I went to the local college in town and asked their chapter of Best Buddies if I should give it there, and they said yes. Best well, that's Buddies great. is an organization that does provide friendships and jobs for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And mm-hmm. because they brought the Harvard, the college brought someone in from the local best ice office to see this speech. I kind of then got very involved with best ice and things just kind of soared and took off from there. That's great. So, what was the, 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 the tenor of that speech you gave? I'm sorry, what did you say? What was the kind of the. Um, uh... The, the I guess the tone of the speech you gave to that uh, the group. It was about why you should not use the word retard. That's great. That's I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I know how that uh, that used to affect me. So I t- totally agree. Anything else that was kind of the the key point to that uh, speech you gave? No, it's really just about being uh, highly inclusive and how people can be kind of good. But after that, I mm-hmm. had a bunch of local schools. I went to the best place leadership conference in Indiana twice, and the second time I spoke there in front of 1,500 students of staff. I went on from there to speak at an event for best place in Miami in front of 900 people, and then I went on to speak I did know that a few years later in Massachusetts, that was a, uh, it was a run to be the best place, and there were many, many hundreds of runners at that. So, yeah. That's great. I mean, it's great to, you know, that, I mean, like you said, it took a little while, but but it definitely sounds like you found your voice and, and your way to sort of give back and, uh, and kind of let people educate the, the world at large, which is really what I what I try to do with this podcast. I mean, as you probably know, I mean, you've known me for a lot of years, so the beginning of this was always my story just to get it out there, and this is really what I kind of want to do with it now, is interview other people like us and give them the opportunity to tell their story. And it's funny, too, because I can so, so relate to what you're doing, and the reason why is because I've been kind of doing it too, but in a little bit of a different vein. 
And so as a nurse and I, I got more and more involved, and I ended up being on the board of directors. And um, after being on the board for five years now, another fellow board member wanted to start a magazine for the old disabilities. And mm-hmm. he asked me if I wanted to help him kind of start this magazine. And so... We started the magazine last month, and it's called Imagine the World's One, and it's a disability lifestyle magazine, so we have a bunch of submissions, all from people with disabilities, mostly, I'd say 99%, but it's all disability related. So everything that people might have something to do with disability. And so um, my friend and I have been working on that and I've been doing all the layout and I've wrote a few articles for it. And so um, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I love it. That is awesome. I will definitely have to check that out. So what was the name of that magazine again? Imagine the world as one. Very cool. That that's awesome that you've started that. I will definitely have to check that out on on uh, in my time, and I'm glad you let my listeners know about that. Um, I guess one other question I have too for you just would be if you could give a positive message to my listeners out there, even a message to my listeners about kind of your life and kind of what it's taught you. What what would that be? I think what I've learned over the years is you can't, you really can't follow anyone else's path. You have to make your own path. You have to do what makes you happy, and you can't mold yourself in anyone else's image because that's not who you are. And the best way you can be the best version of yourself is to find a way to do what you love and find a way to do what satisfying to you. That is, I, I believe that 100%, that is so true. It's definitely very important to, to do um, to do what you love and to find what you love to be able to do it. It's like that old, that old adage that you say, you know, do what you love and you won't day in your life. So that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, too, is there anything new coming up with uh, the organizations you're involved with? Just my listeners, if they want to get involved or want to know more. Yeah, so um, we'll have a new issue of the magazine out in a few weeks. We'll put the first some touches on it now. Mm-hmm. We're on social media. If you want to look it up, us up on Facebook, you can just type in Imagine the World is one on your search bar and you'll find us. Okay. And then come and tell CEO the field organization for people without disabilities that I'm involved with. We have a show coming up. 
that mm-hmm. I'm in that's on Zoom. So right, cool. that will be taking place for two weekends. Um, let me get you the dates for that very quickly. Sure. I just need to double check. Um, I know it's it's like either this weekend and next weekend, but I don't want to give anyone misinformation. Mm-hmm. So let me just pull that up very quickly. Sure. Sorry about this. No problem. Yeah, so it's... You can the show starts on May seventh, and okay. you can get you can buy tickets through our website, which is www.talentales.org, T-E-L-L-I-N-T-A-L-E-S.org. and you can watch it anytime from May seventh to May twenty third. So it's kind of an on-demand thing that you watch when you want. That's really neat, actually. You can, not only that, obviously, you're going to be in the play, but you also, like you said, you have that ability to watch sort of on-demand, which is very cool. Yeah, I will definitely be been, checking that out. We've been doing that with our program, and basically, um, throughout the pandemic. So it's been very interesting, but I know... That everyone involved with Tuntales is very anxious to get back to a point where we can do live theater since that's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is kind of, like you said, it's an interesting way to sort of have to do, because I remember I was in theater as well, but having to do theater now because you can't do live theater, having to do it through the Zoom is, is definitely an interesting experience, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it has an interesting, and, and I think one benefit of it is that, you know, it gets, uh, it gives us the opportunity to buy on it, right? Mm-hmm. There's only a certain amount of seats in a theater space, but on Zoom, you can have kind of an unlimited number of people watching it, so in that regard, it's and it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You get more, you get you get more eyes on it, and more more exposure, which would be great too. Yeah, right. So, is there is there anything else you'd like to share tonight, or? No, I think I we've kind of covered it all. Thank you so so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you, Molly, for for coming on. I really appreciate your time, and uh, hope you have a good. Please join me next time on next episode of Proudly Differently Abled, when I bring in another friend who is also differently abled, and they have their opportunity to tell their story.